Welcome to Walk With Me, a ministry of Cornerstone Church. Hi, my name's Tori and I'll be your host. Sometimes when I want to make a new friend, I'll say, come walk with me and we'll talk. My goal for this podcast is that we as women would walk together and enjoy sweet community in Christ. Today we welcome Paige Van Voorst. Paige and I met in a small group Bible study probably six years ago or so, and she's become a dear friend. Lately, Paige has been learning how to become a church planter's wife. Listen in as she tells us how she's done that. Welcome, Paige. We're glad you're here today, and you used to be part of Cornerstone mm-hmm. in Ames and then in Cedar Falls. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself first. I am a mom of five. Uh, my oldest is seven, and my youngest is eight months. We just moved down to Missouri with the new Cornerstone Network church plant. So we've been down there about six weeks, so we're trying to get settled and learn our way around the new community and stuff. So it's going really well. That's great. Now, why did you move recently to Missouri? You said you're with the new church plant. Tell me a little bit about that. So three years ago, Cornerstone planted a church in Cedar Falls, Candeo, and we moved from Ames at that time to Cedar Falls to help with that. And then recently, Candeo has planted a new church down in Columbia, Missouri. It's the first out-of-state church plant with the network. And so we're planting down there at Mizzou. And so we moved from Cedar Falls now down to Columbia, Missouri to help with that. And how many families, do you know anybody? Did anybody go with you that you were familiar with? it's really neat. So five families moved from Ames to Cedar Falls three years ago. And of those five families, three of us are actually doing this new church plant down there. So there are actually a lot of families going um, that we know that we've done this whole process with before. It's just kind of a unique situation. It's not exactly the same as Mm -hmm. the Cedar Falls plant, but there's a lot of familiarity, which helps. Yeah, so how do you go about doing that? When you go to a new community, do you find people first? Do you find a place first? How does that work? How does the whole church planning thing work? Cornerstone Network identifies university towns, first of all, and that's kind of where they put their efforts. And so we start first with a salt company and a presence on campus and just kind of getting ourselves known with the students there. So with both plants, we've seen our student population actually grow faster and Uh be a bit bigger than our family population right at first. So that's where we're at right now. We're getting some students involved. Has that already begun? I think there has been some campus presence. There hasn't been an official salt company launched yet. And that will be this fall? Uh, That will be this fall as well as the launch of the actual church. But they're on campus. They're talking to um, campus leaders and things like that. So we're getting our name out there. People are hearing about it. And through the summer, we're just kind of doing connection group, um, house church kind uh-huh. of stuff. We How do have... you recruit for that? How do you get your name known? Honestly, I am not sure. I think God has just been bringing people. Huh. Um, it's really interesting. When you move to a new community, people will ask you why you've come. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> That's a really easy way to just kind of tell them what's going on, mm-hmm. that a new church is coming, um, that we really love college students and we want a presence on campus and to kind of let them know what you're about. And there is a lot of interest just by word of mouth. I think that's been I think the that's majority the biggest, of our right, growth. Right, yeah. Right. 
So. so how does that work with your family? So you have five kids. Yeah. And you stay at home with them. You're yep. a homeschool mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so doesn't planning a church take a lot of thought and effort? It does. It does take a lot of thought, a lot of effort. Um, when you're starting a church basically from scratch, mm-hmm. it's kind of all hands on deck. You know, there aren't these specialized ministries where you get to kind of pick and choose what you're good at, what you're passionate about. It's just everybody who's there has to kind of pitch in right. with whatever the need is. And it is challenging sometimes to really balance um, am I having too many people in my home at the expense of my kids just feeling like they can settle and feel mm-hmm. relaxed in our home? Are we too busy? And that's a short-lived season. And I think the key is just flexibility, just being willing to, if your kids need a day with just you, to just give them a day mm-hmm. with just you. But I also think it's really good for them to see ministry happening just on a very organic level. Like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool. I don't have a lot of mobility, but we can bring ministry to us. And so the kids get to know the students that we're ministering to. The kids get to see it happen in their home, and they grow to love those students as much as we right. do. So, And the advantage of that is they don't separate ministry and home life. Yes. It's all one. Yes, and I think that is just... They ask still about some of the students that we knew um, in Cedar Falls, and I think it's just really good for them to see that it shouldn't be. Ministry should not be a box that you check off mm-hmm. during the day and then you come home to your kids. Mm-hmm. And there is there is a very important need to keep some of that separate to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not always ministering to others before you're caring for your kids. But your kids can be part of your ministry, and mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the really neat things about church planting is there. It's all hands on deck, including the kids. Right. Yeah, Brent and I were part of the Cornerstone Church plant Mm -hmm. over 20 years ago. And so, yes, you do everything, and everybody kind of helps out. And that kind of bonds the entire group. Yes. Everybody has an interest in church planting, and so that's uh, that was really good for our family. Don't you think the students uh, especially benefit from you also? I do. I think there are a lot of, especially Salt Company women, who have... um, told me that having kids, having a marriage is something that they would like to see in their future. And so I think a lot of them are really interested to Mm -hmm. come and see kind of how our family just runs on a day-to-day level. A lot of times girls will come to the house during the day. Um, I've had girls help me with homeschool. I've had them do the read-alouds or while I'm working with one kiddo, they'll work with the other one. That's so great. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. And so I get extra help. They get to pitch in in a way that they really like to. Um, And then we get a chance to just get to know each other as we're doing life together. So they'll help Mm -hmm. me fold laundry while we talk or all kinds of things. They'll babysit for us so we can go out on a date. And it's just the community and the students are just really tight-knit. And I love to see that each one has its own gifts and its own um, season of life that Uh can be really helpful to the other one. Have you seen some of those college students in Ames and Cedar Falls come back after they've started a family and be part of the same church or maybe one of the church plants? You know, the church plants are so young um, that it's hard to really know quite yet how that aspect of it is going to play out. But there is one family that I can think of in Cedar Falls, the Gainers, that they started out as students in Salt Company. They met Mm-hmm. at Salt Company. They got married. They have a daughter now, and they're still at Candeo. He does worship. I mean, they're just a great family, and they've grown so much in their faith and in their marriage, and 
So that's one relationship that I can think of where Salt Company was very influential in their Their lives. lives. And now they're back at Candeo pouring back into the church. So that's been really neat to see. So how has it grown your relationship with God Mm -hmm. and with Todd, your husband? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so when we... Because it can be scary to step out in faith. Just like now when you move to Missouri. Yes, it is. There are definitely days where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) When we decided to move from the Ames area to Cedar Falls, it it was a lot... The decision was because we were both feeling a bit stagnant. We knew there was something more for us to be doing. And we were so comfortable here. And we loved our church family. And we loved our friends. We loved our house. and But we weren't really pushing ourselves. Mm. Um, our faith wasn't costing us anything. And I think that has been one thing that has really opened my eyes. Is that when you put sweat equity into something... You know, like your commitment to it and just your passion for it just really changes. And so when we decided to do the church plant with Cedar Falls, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And anytime you grow very quickly, it can be very painful. And Uh it was for us. Um, It was stressful on our marriage, um, especially with the all hands on deck thing. When we decided to move, I was pregnant with our fourth. Our kids were three and under. (laughs) My husband got a job in Cedar Falls and I was still back in Ames. So I was kind of single mom in it during the week Mm. and sick and pregnant and trying to get the house sold and it was really stressful. And then we got to Cedar Falls and he was very involved in ministry, gone a lot. And that was really hard. And did um, you ever cry out to God and say, what are you doing here? That's exactly what I, some days I would be like, God, you're ruining my life. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, why would you do this to us? Um, but to be able to look back, I mean, you know, hindsight uh-huh. is 2020, be able to look back and see, oh my word, our marriage is stronger now because we've walked through that. Our faith is stronger now because we've walked through that. We have a passion for college students that we didn't have before. Um, we have a ministry that we do together now, um, which is so good for us. It's great for our kids. So those hard things, those things that actually feel like they cost something. Yes are the things that really spur you on to grow. And so it's a double-edged thing, a very bittersweet thing to know like, God is growing me. God is good. And I'm seeing him work. It's miraculous. I could tell you story after story of just miracles that God has done that I've gotten to see. But it does feel like a cost because it is a cost, you know? So, but I wouldn't trade it. And I think that's a wonderful thing is I would do it all over again, knowing what I know now and how hard it was. I would jump in again, which is kind of what we're doing because I've seen God work and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Hmm. That will really encourage people, I think, that are in the same spot. There are a lot of women right now that are in your spot thinking, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. And is this good for my family? And this really hurts me, guys. Yes. Yes. So I think what you're saying is, hey, I'm on the other side right now and I can look back and say, no, this is a good thing. Yeah. It, It makes you build spiritual muscle and you get sore at times and you're unsure, but it's a good thing. Yes, it really is. Um, I would say church planting has been the sweetest time in my Christian walk other than first becoming a Christian Hmm. to just, it, it kind of opens up just like fresh avenues to see God work um, and for him to really grow you. And so, I mean, it's like having kids, it's like anything. Mm -hmm. It's painful at times and 
there are times where you're in deep valleys, but you don't wonder if it's worth it. Hmm. And I think that's been the really wonderful thing about church planting is just to see it be worth it. All of that pain and all of that sacrifice that God just rewards it in really sweet ways to say like, hey, I see you. I see what you're doing. Yep. And like, I'm holding your hand through this. Just watch what I'm going to do. So He sees it when you pack your van full of yes. toys and set up the nursery at a rented building. Yes. He sees that. All the things that people don't know that you're doing to have a church, even the tiny little details, God yeah. sees that and he will reward. Yeah. So it's really good to know that he says, good job, Paige. I yes. see you. Yes, I see you. And I think just being seen, knowing that God knows and is just so excited about the things that are happening in our lives in order to church plant that he's like, this is what I want for you. And uh-huh. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forget what's right. happened to you. Like just hang in there with right. me for a little while. That's why an eternal focus is so important. Yeah. If we have the everyday focus of, oh, this is uncomfortable and this is inconvenient, then we're not going to stick with it. And we're not yeah. going to get the reward of seeing people's lives change. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen so many people's lives changed. In the last three years, Candeo has baptized 200 people. That I mean, amazing. people who were walking in darkness and now are living mm-hmm. in freedom. And mm-hmm. I think that's been the most exciting thing is um, Candeo or Cornerstone Network churches don't go into communities hoping to poach people from good churches. Uh-huh. They go into communities hoping to reach people who do not know the gospel and build a church with those stories. And with that comes church people, but a lot of it is just fresh, new Mm -hmm. life. And that is so exciting to see. Right. In Ephesians, it says, for you were once darkness, Mm -hmm. but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So you guys really, even just by being a church planning family, are showing the communities what it means to live as children of light. Mm -hmm. And that's really attractive. And people want that in their lives. So these people that are living in the dark without hope, they look at you and say, I want that because yeah. Jesus is shining through. I That would be my hope. That's really ultimately what I hope. When students come into our home, when they um, just get a chance to be around the families that are involved in this, that is really our main hope is just like we have something that we mm-hmm. love that we want you to love too. And don't you think it's important for them to come in and see you in your real life to see that you do occasionally fail? Yes. And that's how Christ's followers live. They fail and then they get up and they they ask for forgiveness and then they start walking on the right road again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My husband had, one of the things he says often that I really love is Christians are not people who are perfect. They are people who fail well. (laughs) That we know how to cry out for forgiveness, that we know how to reconcile with the people around us because we know we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. But are we failing well? Are we asking for forgiveness? Are we um, not just sitting and wallowing in our failure, but like standing up again and saying, Christ has redeemed me and I can turn around and not be enslaved to that failure and not You're be not under the dominion of sin anymore. Yeah. And don't you feel like as you walk with Christ that I feel like there's a circle of conviction, repentance, restoration. And I feel like that circle used to be bigger where I wasn't convicted. I didn't repent. I wasn't restored. I feel like it's getting smaller and it happens more quickly. Quickly, So God convicts. I repent. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to get right with you. I feel like that happens much more quickly because I'm more attuned and I have a mind that's transformed yeah. than it even did five years ago. Yeah. I think he, he grows believers mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially when you're talking to 
new believers who most people have an opinion of Christians one way or the other coming into a church for the first time. Um, either it's Christians are always perfect and they think that they're better than everybody mm-hmm. else. Christians are always perfect and so I can't be a Christian. Um, whatever it is, I think to see people failing well is something that we don't really see often in the world. Like apologies don't happen in the mm-hmm. world. And so I think God grows us as believers to be able to feel conviction, repent of it, seek reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And when people are coming into the church for the first time, whether they have a church background or not, that is a very radical thing to see. And it's so simple, but it does miracles in people's lives to just it see does. some humility. And I think that's why God allowed stories of failure in the Bible, like Peter, yes. for instance, yes, who failed miserably mm-hmm. with Jesus. Mm-hmm. But yet God restored him and Jesus asked him questions. Do you love me? And he restored Peter and made him the rock on which he built his church. Mm-hmm. How encouraging is that? That is so encouraging. I love that story because Peter was just human. He was a human guy <laughs> that was loved well, you know? Uh-huh. And I just, I think that really resonates with me. Just in ministry, we're going to make mistakes. In trying to reach new communities, we're going to make mistakes. But we're loved well. And if you know that, like, God can do amazing things through you. Like, it's not how strong you are. It's how strong God's love for us is and... That makes a big difference. That makes a huge difference. So you've kind of answered my other question, why church planning is so important. Mm. It's so important because it changed people's lives. It does. They go from darkness literally into the light of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I've even seen people's countenance change. Just they're so much more alive when they know Christ. Yeah. As opposed to their previous way of life. And so what a joy. So if you could, Paige, leave us with one thought today, either about um, living as a as a church planning wife or about planning churches or about failing well, what would that be? I think the thing that I tell myself often um, that is just kind of like this mantra running through my head is things that are worth the most cost the most. And it's going to feel like a cost at some at times, but it's worth it. And so if you're just willing to put down that heavy, heavy down payment (laughs) on seeing God move, it will be worth it. And so if he's calling you to something hard and you're feeling a little scared because you like your life here. I mean, I know that feeling. I've done it twice and both Mm -hmm. times. It doesn't get easier the second time. I mean, the same Mm -hmm. feelings that were stirred the first time were stirred the second time. Um, So it's okay to be uncomfortable and scared? Oh, totally. We said no to this second church plant like 14 times before we said (laughs) yes because we're like, we can't do that again. Uh It is... It's scary and it's That's part of the process. I think if people know that fear and courage is yes. part of the process, then maybe they'll be more apt to make the decision to, yeah. to go or yeah. to do the next thing that's hard. Well, and I think God doesn't use people who feel like, yeah, I'm equipped for this. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. jump in. God well, you know why? as you do it. Because if we felt like we were equipped and ready, then we wouldn't rely on him. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you really do rely on God in a situation like this. And so... Just because you don't feel ready does not mean you won't be ready when the time comes that God calls you to do something. And so if you even feel a little stirring in your heart to do either church planting or anything else Mm -hmm. that's hard that Mm -hmm. you feel God calling you to, but you don't feel equipped, don't let that fear or um, feeling of inadequacy be the thing that keeps you from doing those hard things. Because God gives you good things and he gives you the capacity to receive good things as they come. It's very rare that you're equipped before you're called. Hmm. Um, And so 
Yeah. I just think remembering like, okay, I'm afraid and that's okay. Okay, I'm lonely and that's okay. But those aren't those aren't indicators of whether or not what I'm doing is good work uh-huh. and worthwhile uh-huh. work. And so to just keep your eyes focused ahead. God called me to this. I don't know what he's doing. But if I just know that I'm doing what God asks, I can be confident that he will give me what I need when I need because it. Because he's faithful. Yes. Oh, totally. Totally. Those are very wise words. Paige, do you want to say just a little prayer for us and um, for encouraging women who are in your spot or any spot that's taking uh, courage? Yeah, definitely. God, you call us to hard, good lives. Um, and our, all of our lives, all of our callings might look different. My life is not going to look like somebody else's, but our God is the same. And you are faithful to us. Um, you comfort us when we feel scared and when we feel lonely. And when you call us to hard things, which I pray that you do, I pray that you call these women that are listening to good, hard, great work, either where they're at right now or somewhere else to stay take a step of faith somewhere, Um, but that you would just be near to them, um, comfort them as they're doing what you've called them to, and just give them courage, give them peace, and above all, just reassure them that they are well-loved, and because they are well-loved, they can do scary things well. And so I pray for their families, I pray for Tori, and I just thank you so much for the opportunity to um, get to see her, talk to her, and um, talk to these women that are listening. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Paige, it has been such a blessing to have you here with us and uh, to have you speak those words. Thanks uh, thank for you having very much, Tori. <laughs> Thanks for walking along with us today. I'd love to get to know you better, so let's walk again sometime, shall we? Mm-hmm.